0: I do want to say that both Becky and um, Danny must have somehow seen my notes, as you'll see, as you go, that literally you used both my scriptures, Bex, and um, Danny, that image is, is coming up. Um, so that's, I think that's beautiful. I think sometimes we we forget that God is just doing stuff behind the scenes, you know, and when you kind of arrive and you see these confirmations, it just makes you realize how small we are and how big God is. And if if he wants something said, he will say it loud and clear. So I really just want to ask you all to lean in today because I know that I know that I know that something can shift in each and every one of us today. So um, before I actually start... I just wanted to say, there is the most remarkable woman outside, Asaneli, who's with our Impact Kids. And I just don't know if I've ever told you this, but Asaneli comes here voluntarily, like every second week, all the way from Westfall. And she just comes because she loves to come and be with our kids. And maybe because she's looking for a husband on the North Coast, but not really. I'm just joking. Um, no, she. we just tease her about that because we'd love her to live here. But I just wanted those of you who have kids out with Asaneli to just, like... Just give her a big thank you when you go and fetch your kids, because it's just such an incredible act of service from her, Um, and she honestly does it because she loves it. So, um, okay, this new series is about peace. It's the art of peace. And um, during lockdown, for those of you um, maybe who tuned into some of um, the videos that I did, I I kind of really had this season of, of going, God, what is it? That would make a church magnetic. What is it that would make people unable to hold themselves away from being in church? Um, And I only just realized this as we were in worship this morning, that the message and this series is actually so in line with that. I was given these two words, power and peace. And I think that today we've seen evidence of power. I certainly felt God's power in worship. I feel His power in giving words that bring together what's going to be spoken about today. And peace because today is going to minister into peace. And I, I believe that if we were a community who, who were aware of the power that we carry, the power that is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, and that as we walk into spaces and bring peace with us, that that, that is kingdom. That is, that is kingdom. That is something that people turn their heads and go, what, what is going on there? Um, so today... Um, is this first week on on peace. And really, we're just aware um, that people are in battles. They are struggling in their inner worlds with anger and stress and anxiety and resentment and bitterness and fear. And these words are being used apparently more than ever before. There is this inner war, this kind of torment that's going on, and people are struggling but we, the Bible tells us that we will we will be at war, but that there are spiritual weapons that we need for these wars. Now, I'm just going to give you the, the scripture that we're kind of basing the whole series on, um, just so you understand where we're getting this from. From 2 Corinthians 10, it says, the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons, the weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments, and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ now this is quite amazing because paul is writing this to the corinthian church and He's speaking about these unseen battles and wrestles and saying that we have spiritual weapons for those things. And, you know, this is pre the days of psychologists and terminology that we have today, you know, like mental health diagnoses and things. But he's describing this wrestle and this war that we're up against. And, and he's saying that we have these ancient tools, these weapons that were as powerful then and are as powerful today. And basically, he's talking about this battle that rages to rob us of peace, to rob us of every good thing that God had for us, and that there are weapons that we need for that that are spiritual, that are not going to be the typical weapons that we've been taught throughout our lives at school and with logic and normal wisdom to use. So I had this sense today that I needed to offer as many different things to connect as many hearts because I realise if you, if you look at the school system, for example, the school system is by and large made for a certain type of learner and, um, and they're doing exceptionally well at broadening that and making more diverse kids really feel like they can cope and thrive in school environments. But I felt for today, for whatever reason, that I needed to throw in stories and pictures that would help us to deeply connect and have something to walk away with. To remember, so I'm going to show you a video um, that maybe is only new to me, um, but when I saw this, I was like just absolutely blown away. So, just a few seconds and then I'll explain why. Isn't that absolutely mind blowing? Um, It's called cymatics, it's a mathematical thing, apparently. Um apparently if you Google cymatics I started and I was like, I better stop or I won't be able to preach tomorrow. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Um but basically it's making sound visible. Now um Galileo was a devoted Christian and mathematician, and he said this mathematics is the language in which God has written the universe. Mathematics is a language in which God has written the universe. Uh, As a teacher, I was aware that so often children who did music or played an instrument just seemed to fare better at maths. There's this incredible connectedness to music and to maths. And what I see in that video and why I wanted to show it to you is that basically there's this random chaotic pile of grains on a table, grains of sand or salt or whatever it is. And then there is this like unseen thing that happens, this vibration that causes order and beauty to come. And so forever, whoever that helps, I want you to recognize that this is the God who creates the universe, who's woven maths into sounds and vibration and music. And there is just, it, it, I think... You know, Paul said it like this, because as I was thinking about it, I went, there's a verse about this, and uh, Paul said it in Romans, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. And so I just wanted to start there today. It's just to say that we're living in a world with utter chaos, and there is this Absolute genius God who is the God of maths and music and nature and our souls. And he has the ability to bring chaos into order. So what we're talking about today is actually praise. And the fact that praise is a powerful weapon for bringing in peace. Praise works in opposition and against chaos and disorder and fear and anxiety and stress and depression. Um, I really wanted to be known that we're not saying today that that's all you need. Don't don't walk away here going, well, if I just praise, I don't need any other help. God wants us to get help from many places, but there is this spiritual weapon of praise that can do something that nothing else can, and that's what we're talking about today. So I'm pretty sure if I'm talking in a room with humans, basically, that all of you know what stress and anxiety are like. Am I right? Um, we all experience it. I think some of it have it in bucket loads and some of us maybe not so much. I tend to be an overthinker and an overanalyzer and that doesn't tend to go very well with peace. Um, I've become quite aware of when there is a lot of angst inside of me and it can come out in different ways. And maybe as I share these, think of your own kind of ways that you know that there is a lack of peace inside of you. Sometimes it's just a moment of irrational irritability. Um, or sometimes it's just a sick, sinking feeling. Um, I am known to be a very good sleeper. Like, I was told before I was a mom by the clinic sister that it's unknown of for a mom to wake, not wake up for a newborns, but I slept through my newborns and would only awaken when shaken violently by Sheldon. Um, so I'm a, a very blessed sleeper, and yet I've been having seasons of not sleeping well. There's something wrong. There's, there's something out of sync. Um And I think sometimes in those early hours of the morning where I wake up and there's this kind of torment and these thoughts and these anxieties and stresses, it can feel like God is a million miles away until I actually realize that He's not. He's right there. He's actually in the air that I breathe. He is that close. But it takes a shift of my focus and it takes me deliberately thinking on where He is and starting to remember who He is in my life and in my story. And then something starts to happen. So, as uncomfortable as it is, I want to help each of you to really take a moment to get uncomfortable with the things that are causing you a lack of peace. Close your eyes if you need to. I'm going to read a list of a few things, and you just identify the one that maybe God wants to work on today. Could it be your finance? Your future? Your marriage? A friend? A colleague or boss? Your parents, your children, your health, a deadline, something that you haven't been able to deliver on or are avoiding, the state of our country, the wave of people leaving. Take a moment to think of what it is and how it makes you feel. The reality is that there is an enemy of our soul, and his job, his delight, I almost say, his goal is to rob us of peace and to keep us disconnected from God. And today we're going to see how praise works in opposition to his plans for us. If Jesus said these words, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you, then we need to know how to access that. So today we're going to start with this absolutely surprising and I think delightful scripture. You know, Psalms are amazing and you can just read through them and, and then sometimes you just come across something and you go like, wow, has it always been there? And this is one of those and I've actually got it coming up in three different versions because each of them tap into something different, but they all mean the same thing. So it's Psalm 8 verse 2. And um, I'm hoping there's some of you also who haven't actually ever noticed or come across this. But it says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Or this one from the Passion Translation, You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. And this version, You have taught children and nursing infants to give you praise. They silence your enemies who are seeking your revenge. It's such a fascinating verse, isn't it? That God would use babies and infants to be such powerful weapons against the enemy. I think we always have to kind of ask ourselves why? why, why would this verse be there, why would it be said, and there's a number of things that I think we can focus on, and the one is just to think about children, just think about what children show us of life, I think the first alarming thing is that we go babies and, and children, you know, they, they're vulnerable, they're helpless, they need our protection, how could it be that they're like used as strongholds and weapons against the enemy? Something we know about children, and I have to be um, careful now, is um, also that they have this uncanny ability to believe in crazy things. Um, they, they, they really, um, they, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, don't worry. Um, but amazing things that they just believe wholeheartedly because children are trusting and they're playful and they're humble and, and they love us. And if we say something, that's it. They even believe that a chimney can grow once a year. Really, if you think about it. Um, Then there's also, you know, they they believe incredible things about us. Like, trigger, I can imagine your boys saying to like Beast's children, my dad can take your dad out. You know, and I think, yes, on a mountain run, certainly Trigg could probably take the beast out, but certainly not on the rugby field. But our children believe staggering things about us. It's delightful. They they just are able to have a different focus and attention. So there's that about children. Um, my late stepmother also used to teach me to look at children. She used to teach something called the Alexander Technique. I was actually chatting to Lisa about this the other day. This was um, a doctor in Australia who developed this technique called Alexander, which was designed for musicians and actors at first who were finding that they had um, difficulty breathing sometimes or certain pains associated with the instruments that they used. And this Dr Alexander developed a technique which basically taught people how to elongate their muscles because the belief was stresses and strains actually cause us to constrict our skeleton and affect our breathing and cause aches and pains. And um, and I went for um, a few Alexander lessons and I'd always had this back issue. And I remember one day I was just lying on the table and she just tells you to think things to kind of help you to open your skeleton, I suppose, to like release all the tension. And there was like a gunshot in my back, um, even though she wasn't even touching me. And And I I've never had that back thing again. Um, so it was, it was quite incredible. But she always used to say, look at children. Because happy, well-adjusted children, you don't need to tell them, sit up straight or put your shoulders back. They have perfect posture. And the, the belief is that they haven't learned to kind of be constricted and stressed and have their little muscles pull in and, and kind of hunched over and, and inhibiting their ability for the organs to work and their lungs to work. So... Um, There is so much to look at in children that teaches us so much about health and well-being as well. And of course, they have this power to stop the work of the enemy. So many commentaries will actually say that This verse was actually a prophecy about something that was going to happen with Jesus. So, you know, um, a week before he died, he went into Jerusalem and everybody put their jackets and coats out and they sang these words to him, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And then a little bit further along, it says this, but when the chief priest and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David... They were indignant, and they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? And here he refers back to Psalm 8 verse 2, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise. So there's these children who are in this procession that Jesus is walking down, and they're crying out who he is. If there's any doubt about who he is, the children, I mean, some of them are, you know, probably like nursing infants or, you know, aware of who this man is, and some of them in their nappies and some on their mother's hips, crying out who this man is, silencing the voice of the enemy in that moment. It's quite incredible. The Bible is clear that we're all born with this sin nature, but I think what we see in children is that there's this God orientation There's this deep knowing of a God, and children have this ability to orientate themselves towards it. I don't even know if that's a word, orientate, but anyway, it works for me right now. Sorry. Um, I think what we need to understand about praise is that it causes a shift. Children are so good at focusing on the good at looking at things with awe and wonder. It's like they can suck rainbows and sunshine out of things that we would only look at as doom and gloom. Children are amazing like that. And we can all learn from them. I think more to that, praise is not just like singing. We've we've become so kind of indoctrinated with the thought that praise is singing. But if I want to praise somebody, there's something that shifts in my mind. If I want to praise Mari, I'm going to say Mari You are a kind, generous, compassionate, and empathetic woman. You're always looking out for the needs of those around you. Now, what I've had to do with Mari in that moment, and that's true by the way, okay, is that I've had to shift my attention off of myself. There's no ways I'm thinking about myself or my worries or my concerns while I'm praising Mari. There's a shift that happens. When we're going to praise God, we're shifting our attention onto Him. We can't stand here and just kind of numbingly sing the words. There's nothing wrong with that, but there is power when we shift our attention onto what we're singing and what we're saying and what we're believing about God. Praise is like Thanksgiving; it forces thoughts of good. In Matthew 19:14, we get this from Jesus. He says, "Let the children come to me; don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like children." The kingdom of heaven belongs to those of us who can be more like children. What is the kingdom of heaven? It's the place where the King reigns. It's where what He had wanted for us reigns. It's His peace that reigns. It's His love. The, the children have a key to this kingdom that we need. Sometimes we think that it's us adults who've got the keys and we've got the solutions and we're the strong ones and we're going to make everything okay. And yes, that is true of certain circumstances. But I want to share this story with you and I know that many of you have heard this, but it's an important story for this topic today. You know that we um, had years of struggling with our son Nick um, with these Terrible terror attacks at nighttime. It went on for years, and kids get nightmares. He would have nightmares. That was different to what this was. Um, we would walk into the room and we would we would feel, if I'm honest, and I, again I'm I'm conscious of small ears, but there was there was a terror. It it terrified us. I was always terrified that would happen when Sheldon wasn't there because I didn't think I could cope on my own. But he would see things. He would sometimes clawed us. He would, it would look like even sometimes he was seeing something inside of us. And we could not get to the bottom of what was going on. Like I said, this was not nightmares. This was something worse. And we had elders in to pray. We had people from other churches in to pray. We were told about these specialists there who would come. We had other people come in and say, get rid of that and get rid of that. And we turf stuff out of our house. We anointed oil to the point that it was dangerous to walk around the house without slipping. We tried everything, and it persisted, and it was awful, absolutely awful, until one couple who had journeyed with us on this came across a testimony, and they phoned us and said, you need to try this. Nick has to learn. He has to be able to sing. He has to sing a song of praise from that place of terror, and so the next time it happened, we said, Nick, come, let's sing a song. Now, when these things were happening, it's like his tongue would get seized. He couldn't even talk. And yet, as this child started to sing, we felt peace restored in that room. And within a minute, there was complete peace. And then the next time it happened, instead of, sometimes it used to take like an hour and a half, we'd be fighting. But from the moment that we had that tool of praise, it became a minute, 30 seconds, 10 seconds, and it hasn't happened for years. It was praise from the mouth of a child that restored peace into that. It's when um, there's the enemy of our soul trying to reign with terror, and you just go, no, I know who my God is, and this is who he is, and I will sing of who he is. He has the tool for this battle. Um... The Bible says this in Psalm 22, 3 that he actually lives and dwells in our praises. When we praise, he lives and he dwells there. What we do when we praise is we unlock his power into a situation. We see this so clearly, again, another story that begs to in the story of Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat had got the news that there were multiple armies around the area who were declaring war, and some of the armies had already started moving in. And it says that he was terrified at the news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. His first thing, he's begging now for a strategy. And the first thing he does, I find completely bizarre, is he gets everybody to fast. Okay, now, you think of running a marathon, the last thing you're going to do is fast. Okay, we're, we're so trained to do so much that the kingdom of God says do the opposite to. You know, we're going to carb a load for a marathon. But no, they're going to get hungry. Now, I've fasted with people in this church. And let me tell you, I would not fast with some people in this church before a battle because I'm afraid they might eat me. Okay, people get grumpy. They get crabby. I, I can be absolutely appalling. And we went through a season of fasting every week for a week. And I noticed my children getting quite fearful on Thursdays as I approached them. Um, but fasting is completely oppositional to like toughening up and strengthening up ahead of a battle. It's like, oh, let me like weaken myself as much as I can. But isn't that the kingdom of God doing the absolute opposite, like weakening ourselves, emptying ourselves so that we can fill up with the power of God and access his kingdom to fight it with a different set of tools. So there's these weak fasting <laughs> Israelites and... Um, Sorry, I've lost my place a bit here. Okay, um, so they, they were all starving. And then a and then the spirit comes on one of the men, this man, Jehaziel. And he says, do not be discouraged, for the Lord has said, this battle is not yours, but God's. And so the people bowed and worshipped, and their focus is shifting. They realize that there's this battle coming, but their focus is shifting from the battle To the one who has said that the battle is his. So, reading from 2 Chronicles. After talking it over with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed a choir for God, dressed in holy robes. Think about it. You're going into battle against savages and barbarians, okay? You're all hungry and weak. And now they're going to put robes on and send the flag dancers up ahead. It's bizarre. Dressed in holy robes, they were to march or leap or skip, who knows, ahead of the troops, singing, give thanks to the God, his love never fails. As soon as they started shouting and praising, God sent ambushes against the men of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir as they were attacking Judah, and they all ended up dead. The Ammonites and Moabites mistakenly attacked those from Mount Seir and massacred them. Then they further confused, they went at each other, and they all ended up killed just like that, by each other. It's magnificent. The Holy Spirit gave them a strategy, but his strategy was to not go, you're strong, you've got it. It was to go, you're weak, but I've got it. They praised their way into victory. Some of you also know that last year there was a... um, uh, some ir- irregularities were picked up on a scan for my lungs, and I needed to go in for an overnight for some testing, and um, they had kind of ruled out the more obvious treatable things, and so I was absolutely terrified, and you know what happens when you're a mom and you're going away for a night, you like, you schedule everything down to the hilt, like what they're going to eat at what time, and who's fetching, and where they're going, and like spreadsheets, and you don't really have time to think about yourself until you've like ticked it all off when they're at school, and now you're on your own, and so I was driving through to the um, hospital in Amschlange, and just the, the terror just overwhelmed me and I was tearful. And I started scrolling through my playlist to find something that would minister to me. And I came across a song called Furious. Um, it's a beautiful Bethel song. If you can find it, find it. called Furious. And it's about his furious love for us. And I pumped that thing so loud. I like competed with the best of all speakers around the world. And in my car, in the midst of my terror and my angst and my sorrow the peace of God just descended. And I walked into the hospital calm. There ended up being some kind of stupid thing with the medical aid, and they wouldn't admit me. They were saying that the code didn't match what I was being admitted for. And after hours of kind of trying to work out what to do, um, because the tests were going to be very expensive, um, they said, just go for another x-ray, and we'll use a new code. So I went for a new x-ray, and the x-ray came back with absolutely nothing on my lungs. And so like, it was like, go home. You know, like you arrived there at 8, and at 10 o'clock you're on your way home again. You know, the pulmonologist was like, there's no reason for you to come in. Goodbye. Um, now, I want to say that the, the biggest miracle to me still that day was the peace that God brought into my heart as I praised him, as I focused my attention on his love for me, as I felt how fiercely and furiously loved I was, and that no matter what, with that love, I would be Okay. One more story, just in case that you aren't convinced that praise is the most powerful spiritual weapon. This is, um, you know, we all love stories of prison break, right? Who used to watch prison break? I had a little bit of a too much crush on Wentworth Miller, if anyone remembers him. Sorry, babe, but he's still the absolute best. Um, But we love stories of like prison break and people using their wiles and their, their strategic things to get out and their superhuman strengths to dig tunnels with their bare hands and all of this. But we have this beautiful story of, of a ma- an amazing prison break in the book of Acts 16. Um, around midnight, Paul and Cyrus were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, what you've got to know is that they're in prison for a completely unjust reason. They'd actually uh, released these demons from this woman who was making money for some Romans, and they were angry, so they got them beaten to a pulp and thrown in prison. So there they are, sore, in an unjust situation, and they're still just praising God. And um, the other prisoners were listening to them praising God, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. It's quite a strategic earthquake. Like, the roof doesn't come down, but it opens chains and locks. It's quite amazing. When the jailer woke up and realized what had happened, he actually wanted to kill himself. And they said, no, 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 they stopped him. Don't kill yourself. Uh, Just believe and you and your whole household will be saved. His household aren't even there. But so convinced they were that he had seen a miracle that would transform his lives that they said, there's no ways you won't go home and your whole family won't also believe and be saved. It's a beautiful story. But again, praise is this powerful weapon and there's this physical thing that happens because of something that shifts in the spiritual. We know that people who live grateful lives tend to live more joyful lives. And thanksgiving and praise are so similar where thanksgiving is about being grateful for the things and the people and the blessings in our life. Praise is being thankful for the one who gives us the blessings. And these two go together. Psalm 100 verse 4 says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks and praise to his name. Just imagine entering his courts. His courts is a place where his spirit and his presence are, and we do that with praise, with shifting our attention off of ourselves, off of our battles, off of the enemy, off of the war and onto the one who holds the keys to our peace. One last story and then we're done for today. Um, Again, I tell you these stories because I believe that stories have power and Jesus told stories and stories have a way of just mixing with our imagination and and giving us, you know, when you read a book, you've kind of like painted a picture of what the setting looks like and then you watch the movie and you're like, damn, it didn't look like that. But stories connect deep to our soul. So years ago, um, this was just after I had lost my dad, and so I wasn't in the best space already, but there was a, a young woman who we got word to pray for urgently. She was at the Olive Tree Church. I knew who she was, but I didn't know her. But the real tragedy of this and why we prayed feverishly for this young girl is that her sister had died a few years previously in a car accident. And um, there were only two daughters in the family. And I think she was around the age of 21. And something went horribly and horrifically wrong with her liver. And they were, she was in bad, ba- a bad way. And they were praying for her. We were all praying for her. And tragically got the news that she passed away. And I, I just couldn't believe this. I, I couldn't believe that one set of parents could live both, lose both their children. Like the agony of imagining that nearly killed me. I remember lying in bed with Sheldon and saying, if we had no children left, I would kill myself. I couldn't imagine a reason to keep going. Which, of course, was my momentary way of of making, you know, just trying to wrestle with how I'd cope and, and very quickly changed my mind and said, no, 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 I would just relentlessly give the rest of my life to serving God without, you know, we could go into the scariest danger, most dangerous places and not worry anymore. But, you know, it's that that level of despair where you kind of go, how on earth is it possible for parents to come back from this? And I felt really compelled to go to her um, memorial service. And, you know, to stand in a room with... Just people felt like absolutely grief-stricken. And to see a mom and dad at the front of the hall who were praising God, it just, it absolutely rocked my world. I, you know, I arrived there just going, God, how is this possible? Like, where are you in the story? And then just, yeah, just to see all these people praise, I just had this incredible moment during the praise where I closed my eyes and I had this vision I could see my feet standing in this beautiful water. It was like all the colors and hues were just kind of warm reds and pinks and oranges and this dead still lake. And I, I had this knowing that she was there, that her sister was there, that my dad was there, that many loved ones were there. But I can't describe to you the peace. Often when I'm in turmoil, I'll just go back to that place and it's well with my soul. And the thing that unlocked that peace was praise. It was a room full of people who despite what the enemy had tried to do to separate them from peace and from the love of God, couldn't win. Because they opened up the power of God in that moment of praise. And each and every one of us can do that. When you're feeling overwhelmed, you simply have to shift your attention onto the one who holds all power. Jesus said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you. And he wants us to have his peace. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he also says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He tells us to do things, but he doesn't want them to be difficult. He tells us that children can do it. You know, it's like we have to unlearn have to get rid of all these smart, clever things that we, we have, and just become like children to unlock the power of the ability to praise this God when it doesn't seem possible. I want to invite you again, just to close your eyes, perhaps you. And I'm going to go over that list again, of what it is that could be robbing you of peace. And I'm just going to tell you who God is in that place to help you to be able to praise again the one who holds the power against all these spiritual battles that we fight. Just close your eyes and please would you allow God to minister. And when I read the one that is the one that is really warring with you at the moment, you just allow God to give you a picture of peace for that place, for that word, for that thing that causes you such strife. Allow him to give you a picture and then we'll close in prayer and I just feel to just either allow Shil to sing the closing words of that song or or sing it with whatever works for you. If it's your finance, you can praise the God who says he is our provider. If it is your marriage, or a friend, or a colleague, or a boss, or a relational thing, praise the God who restores and heals broken things. If it is your children, praise the God who deeply cares about children. If it is your health, praise the God who heals. And trust that His healing is emotional, spiritual, and physical. If it's a deadline or something you haven't been able to deliver or are avoiding, praise the God who fills us with courage to do what is right. If it is your worry over the country and things that are going on in the country, praise the God who will never leave or forsake you. Father, we thank you today that you have given us spiritual weapons that are more powerful and effective than any other strategy or idea that we could ever come up with. We praise you, God, that we can simply shift our attention off of the enemy, off of the battles, off of the struggles, and onto you, the author of peace. We thank you, Father, that your kingdom always shows us a different way that your being strong was dying for us and being risen again with the power that you give to us, God, is what we need to restore peace. Father, won't you just give each of your children today a place, a picture of the peace that you have for them that they can draw on any time that they need it. Father, thank you that you are so worthy of our praise. We thank you that your praise is a weapon to bring us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.